Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for the beautiful spirit that is present here. Thank you for all of us who are family and body and one. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are sick, those who are trying to recover. I just ask that you would intervene right now, that you would touch bodies, that you would heal lungs, that you would remove fever, and that you would restore health to those who are struggling. Thank you for who you are and for what you mean to us and for what you did for us. Thank you for the reminder of this Christmas season that it's not about presents, it's not about things, it's about you and your presence and the sacrifice that you gave to us by being born. Thank you for who you are, and we love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, go ahead and be seated, every one of you who is not a kid. If you're a kid, this is the time to head on downstairs for Children's Church. There is Children's Church today. I want to welcome all of you who are here in person with us. God bless you. I want to welcome all the people who are downstairs hard at work on the Youth Spaghetti uh, Fundraiser, which will be right after the service for any donation um, that God lays on your heart. That will all go towards the youth retreat. So they are hard at at work, slaving in the kitchen for us. So, um, and also I want to offer a special blessing for you guys who are watching online, um, at home, on Facebook, because uh, there is sicknesses going around um, amongst us, and some of you have made the choice to stay home uh, because of your health, and we we love you, and we pray that uh, that you are able to. Uh, avert any sicknesses. Um, Some of you are sick right now, and uh, we are praying for you. We are touching base with everyone that we know of. If you, if we don't know about you, please reach out to uh, church staff um, or uh, Pastor Michael or one of the elders or someone else in the church family, anyone. Just reach out to someone, please, um, if if we don't know about you already. Uh, We are reaching out uh, a couple of people we're still trying to contact that we haven't heard from in the last couple of days, and uh, we know of issues going on there. So, other announcements. Um, for those of you who will be live or um, w- watching virtually, Christmas Eve service will be begin at 5.30 p.m. For those of you who wish it was 5.30 a.m., I'm sorry. Um, but 5.30 p.m., Christmas Eve service will be here, some carols, some song. It's a great event to invite people from uh, outside that are not members of us. Please bring guests if you have people visiting from out of town as well. Um, next Sunday is going to be the day after Christmas, and so we're going to be a little more laid back. Instead of Sunday school, we're going to actually have a breakfast. So um, please RSVP if you can with how many people you're going to be bringing it's not a firm commitment, but at least we're trying to get an idea of how many people are going to show up. That breakfast will start at 9.45 a.m., so you get to sleep in seven extra minutes. 
seven and a half extra minutes. And then on top of that, uh, we will then have service afterwards. And that will be a little more low-key of a service. Pastor Michael is hoping to be back in the saddle for that one. As you saw, he's already, uh, he probably could be doing this Sunday, but uh, he just wanted to be safe on the safe side. Monday Bible study is on this week. We'll be off next week. We're finishing up uh, Romans this week. Women's will not be meeting this week. Youth have a uh, Christmas party on Thursday. So if that is applicable to you, uh, let that be. Those are our announcements. So this, let's see if I have control. I might have to turn it on first. been a while since I've operated technologies here. We'll see how it goes. Um, So we've been walking through a traditional advent. We have our hope. We have our peace. We have our joy. And this week we add for our consideration, the love. That HVAC is really powerful. Praise the Lord, right? It's been cold, it's been hot, it's been everything in between. And of course, in the center of all this, all the promises, all the blessings that come with the coming of Jesus is our Christ candle in the center, which we will be lighting on Christmas Eve. And that's just so appropriate that Christ is the center of everything that we are, everything that we have, right? Without him, we have nothing. So many people survive without Christ, and I don't understand how. So today we're looking at love, the love that God brings. So as we look at the story of Christmas, there we go. I'm not sure if I did that or you did that, but somebody did that. The love of God and the love that we're to walk in. The story of Christmas begins with apparent betrayal, doesn't it? And it ends in this faithful, compassionate love of God. The story of humanity begins with the betrayal of mankind against God. We in the garden were receiving so many blessings and we had the very presence of God with us and yet we betrayed him. And each of us in each of our lives, we betray him again and again. So we have the Christmas story that begins with this apparent betrayal of Mary. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. What would you think? You're engaged and and your uh, fiancé is now pregnant. That would be hard. But yet we see in, in Joseph, he does not, he does not uh, take the legal actions he could. He decided that he wanted to do it privately, to not embarrass Mary, not to embarrass her family. He showed patience, and even forgiveness. Before he even knew what was going on, right? But then the angel of the Lord comes to him and explains 
what has happened. That there hasn't actually been any betrayal whatsoever. And he takes her shame upon himself. And he decides that he's going to be faithful to the covenant promise that he's already made. And he takes her as his wife. So we're going to be looking at... There we go. Um, Chesed is the Hebrew word, and I didn't spit enough, so I didn't say it right. But this is the Hebrew understanding of what love is. It's often translated as loving kindness, or steadfast love, or unfailing love, and faithful love. There's the Greek word agape, but agape comes from Greek roots and pagan deities and such, but the Hebrew word comes from the revelation of God to his people. So we're going to be kind of looking at this. And I want to give you two words, two words that I think sum up this really well. Not all aspects of hesed or God's love, but patience and forgiveness. The patience of God and the forgiveness of God. Because that, at its heart, is the heart of Christmas. We see, when Adam sinned at first, it began this chain. Wasn't the promise that on the day that they ate of it that they would die? And yet, in some ways, they didn't, right? If I said, if you come onto my property, and the day you come onto my property, you will die, and you're alive 60 years later, you would probably say that I didn't keep my word, right? Um, that's not the case. You all are welcome. <laughs> you are all welcome to my property. Uh, but the thing is that God said that, and yet, in some respects, they did die immediately. But in some respects, we, we still live a pretty, pretty long time. A lot of folks after that lived 600, 700, 900 years. Methuselah, we're looking at you. 900 years of living after he sinned. In the day that you sin, you shall die. Doesn't that speak to the long-suffering of God? There are people that we know that uh, we couldn't put up with them for 900 years, right? I am so blessed with the family that I have. My, my father is in the back here um, vi visiting with us. And, but I know some of you have family members or, you know, crazy uncles or, or brothers or sisters. or You have family members who will try your patience this, this Christmas season. Maybe you've avoided meeting with them entirely, but maybe not. And so we're going to have some application here of patience and forgiveness. But the main focus is going to be of God's patience and forgiveness for us. The Bible story begins with betrayal of mankind, and it comes to its consummation with the total redemption of those who have given their lives and their trust to Jesus Christ. Right? Amen?
And we find the Christmas story begins with this apparent betrayal and is going to find its consummation in the patience and forgiveness of Joseph. And then we also see this in Mary. Mary, can you imagine Mary's perspective? God, why did you do this to me? The shame, the anger on Joseph's side, but Mary, she took it really well when she heard what was to happen. But she had to suffer and had to be talked about behind her back for all of her life because of this. Yeah, okay, God told some shepherds what actually happened. God told Joseph what actually happened. But what about the rest of the world? She had to suffer through this. And yet, there were three people that we see recorded that were at the foot of the cross. Right? Anyone want to call out who they were? Yeah. Mary, Mary, and John. We got... Mary, the mother of Christ, Mary Magdalene, and John. Everyone else deserted them. Who was it hardest for to be at the foot of the cross? Mary. If anyone was going to lash out at the soldiers, it would be Mary. If there was anybody who would not be able to take situation, it would have been Mary. And yet we see her there to see her son's final breaths, as was prophesied. As Jesus told everyone this was going to happen. And we find that patience in her. She waited. Where was she three days later? She was at the tomb. She was at the tomb. So we see Joseph showing Hesed. We see Mary showing Hesed. Pictures, glimpses of God who would show his forgiveness to us. It works. It works. 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Now, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Um, I'm using my translation, New American Standard. I'm sorry if that's not your preferred translation. There are a lot of great ones out there. This is the one I'm most familiar with. So, um, uh, Atoning sacrifice is probably a better translation or a simpler translation for propitiation. Sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the picture of love. That is the picture of God's patient, long-suffering love for us. That he didn't wait for us to express our love for him. We're talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. Now it's 2,021 years ago. I know, calendars are it's not quite exactly. But we're looking back to Christ coming to die in our place. Long before any of us took a breath. Long before any of us learned the word mine. 
or the word no, right? And our sin nature was fully expressed. (laughs) It's cute. It's cute when they're that age. Stops being cute well before they turn teenagers, right? Our sin natures, our sin comes out, and that is what any of us see in each other. It's surprising that any of us have any friends whatsoever. Have you met people? They lie, they betray, they... People are generally awful. (laughs) They might have some redeeming qualities, but generally they're pretty awful. And that's the little bit you see. Can you imagine God's perspective on us? That God loves us is, is beyond unfathomable. He has seen, he has heard everything that you ever thought about, anything you have ever done. And if you think those things were awful to God, they are so much more awful. To you, they're kind of oopsies, embarrassing oopsies. Or on those occasions where you intentionally tried to hurt people. But they weren't just oopsies or bad things you did. They were acts of rebellion against God. You're a traitor. I'm a traitor. We rebelled against God who created us, who loved us, who gave everything for us, and yet we spat in his face. When he was being beaten, it was us who were doing the beating. You say not physically, but is it so very different? But he shows He shows his long-suffering. He shows his loving kindness, his steadfast love for us, his unfailing love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us. He initiated towards us long before we had done our first act, long before we did our first rebellion. Ezekiel 34 15 through 16. We see his loving kindness with another aspect here. He says, this is God speaking, I myself will feed my flock and I myself will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. That sounds so good and Christmassy, doesn't it? That God, full of love and compassion for all of us, pours out his love and exposes himself to us and says, Come back. Come back into relationship with me. But the verse don't end there, do they? It says, But the fat and the strong I will eliminate. I will feed them with judgment. God's love is poured out for us. But God's patience and long-suffering is not forever. It is delayed. It is not that that God is incapable of exacting judgment on us. It's not that God is unwilling to exact judgment. 
Has anyone flipped on the news recently? Are there any evil people out there in the world? It's amazing to me how much we don't report in the news. We gave up talking about the genocide in the Congo and the Sudan long ago. We gave up talking about the famines that happened around the world. We've given up talking about so many things that are happening in the world that are truly horrific. And yet they continue on to today. There are people around the world who are suffering at the hands of evil, evil people. And they cry out for justice. And God seems to be silent. If you tell them the lovey-dovey story of Christmas, they will not, they will not like it in some levels. Because the people who have hurt them so deeply, look at the the book of Revelation. We see this picture of the the saints who have been martyred, who are under the, the altar crying out for justice. Crying out for justice. And what does the Lord say to them? He says, just a little bit longer until the rest of you that are going to get martyred are here as well. The long-suffering of God, the patience of God should never, ever be misinterpreted to being that God is okay with what's going on. When God is patient with us, it doesn't mean he's okay with what we're doing. When God forgives us, it doesn't mean he's okay with what we're doing. And we see plenty of Christians like that, right? Well, I'm forgiven, so it's okay now. No, it's not. Our sin is never okay. We have been saved from the consequences of our sins, but we are also saved from the presence of our sins. If you aren't being saved from the presence of your sin, I would say, biblically, you should seriously doubt whether you're being saved from the consequences of your sin. Because how do we know if we're saved? We know we're saved if we see the Holy Spirit bringing out fruit within our lives. Can someone not be saved and become saved later? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. But there's a lot of people who think they're saved because they prayed a prayer. Because some pastor told them that they're saved. Or, you know, they did something. They joined a church. They got dunked underwater. They got spritzed with water. And they got told by somebody, maybe even got a little paper card that said, you're saved. A paper card is not the salvation we're talking about here. We're talking about a genuine conversion. The Bible talks about this new birth. It's so radical that we are are like we're born again. We're, We're a new creation. God's forgiveness and patience give us a chance again. God's wrath does not reside on us forever. Let's take a look at Lamentations 3. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not act willingly or grieve the sons of men. 
there is this magical thing that happens every day. Isn't there? The sun goes down. We go to sleep. You could almost say a little picture of death. And then every morning we are resurrected again. We come back to life. The day is new. The chances are new again. We have the opportunity to be different today than we did yesterday. And when we mess up today, we get to try again tomorrow. It says that God doesn't reject us forever. His punishments for the stupid things, the bad things, and some of the intentional things that we have done, the punishments that come rightly upon us fade with time, oftentimes. The pains sometimes fade as time goes on, too. With everything, we have again and again the opportunity to repent and come back to the Lord. His patience and long-suffering should not be mistaken for being Him okay with what we're doing, but it should be a reminder that He's given us another day to walk with Him, to change how we walk. His abundant mercy is upon those who do not deserve it. That's what we see there. It is not for those who just deserve it, for those who are the good people. As we saw before, while, while we were sinners, God saved us from long before we've ever made a decision. His punishment, his discipline is on us temporarily in this life. That's what we experience. Are you still paying for the the sins of your early teenage years? Some people still are a little bit. But for most of us who are getting up a little more in age, the consequences from those things have started to fade. The words, the relationships you busted up in your early teenage years, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, those probably aren't the things that you're suffering and hurting from. You've probably forgotten most of that, right? The penalties, the punishments fade in this life. We have new opportunities. The rain keeps falling on the just and the unjust. But in the life to come, things are permanent. Our rejection, our continued rejection of Christ will become permanent when we die. Our acceptance, our repentance towards Christ and God will become permanent when we die. That's why we say there's only really one thing important in this life. What you do with Christ. Where do you stand with Christ? Everything else can be dealt with. But you should not say there, well, I'm a horrible person to everybody around me. I'm a terrible person in general, but I'm right with God. James would look at you and say, you're a liar. Show me your faith by your works. Show me your faith by the change in your life. Show me the fruit of the Spirit in your life. 
Because if you don't have the Spirit in your life, you aren't saved. We see Christ's example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see too many people out there, right, who are serving themselves. Who are trying to gather a following to serve them. Right? Far too often we are doing the same thing. We want other people to serve us. We like to be friends with people who benefit us. We like family members who give us more than we give them. But that's not the way of Christ. That is not to be the way of us. We are to be like Christ and serve other people. That should be the purpose of our life. Um, our purpose should not be to hoard up as much stuff to go into the, uh, the trailer behind our hearse as we're getting buried, right? A person with the most stuff doesn't win. In fact, the person with the most stuff tends to be the first in the ground, right? There's, there's a lot of health consequences to deal with with um, acquiring stuff or chasing up the corporate ladder, all that stress of trying to acquire for yourself. Oftentimes we see older folks who get up into age, they are the most loving and the most generous people. And that's probably because they are the ones that didn't have all that stress (laughs) of clutching things with an iron fist, right? It's amazing how Stress impacts our body. Has anyone else had a stressful week? Me and three people, it looks like. (laughs) Obviously, you all have had stressful weeks because it's the week before Christmas, right? You're getting ready for family. There's so much joy, but there's so much to do. Is anyone else feeling it in their health a little bit? Trouble sleeping? Anybody? And uh, we have a lot of people out sick right now. That's with stuff going around, of course. But, but this time of year, people are a little more prone to being sick because of the stress. We shouldn't just be patient and forgiving because of the stress level. But let's just say it's not a horrible reason either. Christ's patience and forgiveness towards us is rooted in the servant's attitude. Jesus didn't say up in heaven, hey, it would be cool to go down to earth and hang out with people for a while. I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning. Have you met people? (laughs) Jesus is surrounded by angels in heaven who are worshiping him rightly. And he comes down to be spat on, insulted, and humiliated for his entire life amongst us, leading up to him being beaten and crucified for the people who have done all this to him. Is it safe to say that he did not come to be served? He came to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. This 
is an amazing thing for us to look at and see his great love towards us. But it also should be a very strong warning. This is the God of the universe. This is how he behaves. If he refused to, to grab stuff, to grab titles, to grab power, to force other people to do what he wants them to do, to manipulate people, if God refused to do that, who has the authority and the right to do that, if he refused to do that, how do you think he's going to put up with people who do that? How do you think God's going to put up with us when we do that? We see openly in Scripture, it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He actively resists those who who behave opposite to this. If we live our lives in service to others, to pour out our lives, our resources, our, everything we have for other people. We will find that we are friends of God. If we act arrogantly, pridefully, selfishly, we will find that we are on the opposite side than God. Because that's not God's nature. That's not who God is. And if you want to use a crude term here, he's the one who programmed the universe to operate. And you can just better believe that he has programmed the universe to punish the proud, the arrogant, the know-it-alls, the people who are too good, right? And we see this in real life, don't we? The people who have stopped being teachable, the people who... They already know it, so they don't need to hear it. They tend to fall flat on their face to the amusement of us all, right? (laughs) But how often is that unteachable person us? And that's the amusement of other people. (laughs) When we become unteachable, we become arrogant, proud. Again, it's cute in the kids, right? But in the teenage years, it stops being cute. That pride, that arrogance. Don't take what I just said to being that we can somehow earn our way into God's favor. Like we can somehow negate all the bad stuff that we've done by, by being like him in a servant's attitude. That's not the case. We become servants as his Holy Spirit comes within us and empowers us to live like him. Romans 5.8, we've alluded to this before, referenced it before. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came to serve those who would be saved. Repentant sinners, of hopefully which you are one of them, some people get the idea of church that, that we're all people who think we have it all together and they, they really chafe at that. If you really had it all together this week, wouldn't you actually be more inclined to stay home? 
You're like, man, I had a good week. I don't need church this week. I don't need God this week. That's what the arrogant and the proud do. I don't need God. I can just go out to the, the woods and hunt a deer, and that's, that's my worship. I don't really need any more help. Honestly, the truth is that we show up to church because we need the help. Amen? We need a community around us to help us. We need a community around us to inspire us. The stories of you guys inspire me. The way you guys live. There's areas in my life that I struggle with to walk like Christ in. And some of you guys give me these awesome examples of what it looks like to live that way. You guys have shown so much grace to me over these past few years. Um, I, I stepped in as a elder, <laughs> a younger elder. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not older. I guess I'm older than a teenager maybe, but uh, you guys have shown so much grace for me. In some ways, I, I'm, I am learning so much, and uh, I've been trying to learn as I go. Uh, being with, uh, with Pastor Michael and being with uh, Elder Don, I've learned so much being close to them and, and getting to know them better and, and seeing them up, up close. We, we all are sinners that despite that, God loved us. We need to be those humble learners We're all just trying to find our way through this all, right? And that's why we need each other, to be inspired by each other, to be challenged by each other. When you start talking about something and somebody looks at you and just says, you probably shouldn't talk about people that way, right? Or uh, I'm still struggling with with, uh, following up with people who are are struggling health-wise, right? And, and some of you guys are having patience with me on that. Um, and have you, have you followed up with so-and-so? Have you checked in on so-and-so? And, and I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm still, still learning. We, we have so many things, if we are to be like Christ, that we need to grow in. It's not all right for us each to have our spiritual gift, and that's the only area of our life where we are spiritually mature. We are to grow up in complete likeness to Christ. You may have a spiritual gift in evangelism. Does that mean you don't have to be merciful? Does that mean that you can slack off in your prayers? You don't have to be a good intercessor? No. You can be good at something, and your spiritual life can be relatively in order in that one area, but you need to grow in all ways. But praise the Lord, he has surrounded us with other people that we can learn from, right? If you want to dig into scripture, there's some people you need to get with here at the church, right? And say, show me, teach me. If you want to learn how to be merciful to people who have really, really wronged you, there's some people in this church you can get with and say, teach me. There's some people who are always full of joy and thankfulness and you say, teach me. That's what the family of God is all about. Us teaching each other. Us equipping each other. Us inspiring each other. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
He's the one who has equipped this body for you. Not because you deserved it, but because he loves you. Repentant sinners find joy, hope, and peace, and love at the manger. But soon, he'll be old enough to tell us to follow him. Sometimes I think people like Christmas so much because it asks so little of us. Oh, it's so much. We just get stuff. As you're a kid, that's how it works, isn't it? As a kid, you basically just get free stuff. As a parent, it turns into you just give free stuff, right? So it is with the Christian walk. When you walk in the door of becoming a Christian, becoming a a follower of Christ, it's like the heavens open up and just blessings rain down upon you. It's like you're asked of so little. You just, you just get to bask in it all. It's so much fun. It's so great. And I'm not discounting that at all. But that call to discipleship, that call to serve others, that call to put to death the sins of your life, to put off that old person and to walk in the new life, is it hard? Is it hard to give up those sins? Is it hard to change how you talk to people? To watch every word you say? To watch yourself when you start getting a little heated? To watch yourself in what you obsess over, whether it's a TV show, whether it's, you know, a celebrity, whether it's um, a job promotion or, or a hobby What is it that you obsess over and you realize at some point that this has become a God? We are called to smash our idols. And when we love them, it's hard to do. When we've invested so much time and effort into carving our idol, it's painful and it's costly. Until you start smashing the idols in your life, you look at the Old Testament, you see all these offerings that they offer, and you just don't get it. Then when you start truly following Christ, you start sacrificing, you start offering yourself and your idols before the Lord, and it hurts. And that's a good thing. You understand what David said. He says, I will not offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. The same Jesus who was born in a manger is the same one that will die for us and say to all of us, come follow me. Come follow me. As we close here and the worship team comes on back up, John 3.16. We all know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever would, whoever believes, whoever will give their lives to him. We see the patience of God in this, don't we? 
that he's still giving us the chance. He's still giving us another chance. Well, well, Elder Steve, I've already become a Christian. I don't need to repent anymore. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You, You have those moments where you're just like, have you not understood anything? We don't repent and then live the rest of our life as a Christian. We start repenting. We continue repenting. Repentance is the new life that we have been raised to. A life of continuing to humble ourselves and admit where we're wrong. God's patience and his forgiveness for us. It's found in Christ. Hinted at in the manger. But at the cross we see more clearly. But in the risen Christ. We have the picture completed. He has been so patient with all of us. As believers or even as People who have not yet believed. But to each of us who confesses our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This Christmas, let's see the manger. Not as something that we can pilfer, (laughs) like a chest of gold that we can just grab stuff out of but as an example to us to live a life of service to others, to smash those idols in our lives. Because in it, we find forgiveness. We find an end to ourselves, but we see a new us on the other side, one that will last for eternity. Heaven's not about the gold, not about the eternal life. It's not about being reunited with friends and pets. It's about spending eternity with God himself in a white robe. If God showed up here today, we would all fall on our faces, terrified, because our clothes aren't clean. Our lives aren't clean. We'd be like Isaiah. We'd be like, I am a a man of unclean lips among a people who have unclean lips. How could we stand like, like this before God unless Jesus cleanses us? Not just positionally, but, but in actuality. If you were to stand before God right now, wouldn't you be terrified that you would just say something wrong? Would you trust you right now before a holy and righteous God? You'd make some snide remark, and so would I. We'd treat something lightly that we should have treated as holy. We need to be clean. And that's what we're called to.